Welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. My name is Suzanne Spradley, and I'm here with Chase Cannon. We are colleagues at NFP, and um, we are in the Benefits Compliance Department. And on this podcast, we hope to break down things related to health reform and other compliance issues and make it easier for you to understand and throw in some history when appropriate. So today, we're going to quickly recap what's been happening over the past two weeks on the movement relating to bipartisan legislation in the Senate. And then we're going to focus on uh, that White House announcement that said that it will no longer fund what is called as the cost-sharing reduction subsidies or the CSR subsidies. Um, And and primarily, Chase, I think before we move on to that, we we want to acknowledge that right now the discussions primarily focus on tax reform. And so it's unlikely that anything will get done during these discussions, but it's certainly cannot guess at this point um, because things are changing on a daily basis. But for now, let's uh, focus on those things that we have at least something um, in writing uh, to, to work with. And so, Chase, let's start with a quick recap on this and its bipartisan efforts. Yeah, so in addition to tax reform, like you said, there are now two competing bipartisan plans that have been introduced over the past two weeks in the Senate relating to the ACA or uh, market stabilization One of those plans is sponsored by Senators Alexander and Murray, and another is sponsored by Senators Hatch and Brady. So in each of those instances, you have a Republican and a Democrat. Um, Hatch and Brady's proposal goes a little bit further when it comes to the impact on employers. Theirs includes a provision to waive the ACA's individual mandate for five years and would also retroactively waive the employer mandate for two years. It would also take a, another step towards expansion of HSAs. The Alexander Murray proposal, on the other hand, gives a little bit more flexibility to the states, um, but would not waive those penalties for those two ACA mandates. Um, but both really get to the issue that we want to cover more intimately today, and that's the funding of the ACA's cost-sharing reduction, or CSR, subsidies. Both of these bipartisan plans would fund those CSR subsidies for two years, and that would give Congress uh, some time to figure out how to deal with this idea of market stabilization and how to handle fixes to the ACA on a longer-term basis. It remains to be seen whether either the Alexander Murray or Hatch-Brady proposals actually take off. It's been reported that Alexander Murray has the 60 Senate votes it needs to pass, And remember, we're talking 60 votes now because we're outside of that reconciliation process that we've talked about in the past. And so we're not leaning on a majority within the Senate anymore. We have to get to 60 votes to get it through the Senate. Um, So we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. Um, But for today, to set the table on this CSR subsidy payment issue, about two and a half weeks ago, there was an announcement made by the White House that it will no longer be reimbursing insurers for the reduction in out-of-pocket limits, deductibles, and other forms of cost-sharing that the ACA requires insurers to provide to enrollees in silver plans if those individuals have incomes below 250% of the federal poverty level, or what we refer to as uh, FPL. And Chase, before we move on and, and delve into this further, the reason why we are bringing this back to employers who are primarily listening to this is because of the overall impact of the stability of the markets and what they could lead to on the employer market as well. So yes, this is focused on the individual market, but we see indirectly that it has an impact on the overall ecosystem, as we like to refer to it, of the markets in general. That's exactly right. 
Okay, so to clarify, tell us what the cost-sharing reductions or CSRs as we, we speak of them relate to. Are we talking about premium tax credits or are we talking about something different? That is such a great starting point for this discussion, um, and it's really important to understand the difference. We are not talking about the premium tax credits. The ACA basically, basically provides subsidies, and I'm doing air quotes in this situation that you can't see, but there are two different situations, and we often refer to both as subsidies. But the first is really a premium tax credit, and that's talking about the actual premium amount that someone has to pay to obtain the coverage in the first place. Those premium tax credits are available through the health insurance exchanges, and they're for those individuals who don't have affordable employer coverage offered to them and who have incomes between 100 and 400 percent of the federal poverty level. So I just mentioned slightly different percentage amounts, so you can start to see some of the differences in eligibility between this premium tax credit and this cost-sharing reduction subsidy, or CSR. Uh, but it's a confusing point. We often refer to both of them as a subsidy because the government is helping to pay for both of them. And so you'll see misinformation out there. You'll see confusion about there when we're talking sub subsidies. But the premium tax credits themselves are not impacted at all by the announcement here. It's just these CSRs, cost-sharing reduction subsidies. Okay, so let's go a bit deeper into the CSRs and talk about them, about what they are, when, who would use them, when would they use them, and what does it apply to? Right, so once someone is covered by a plan, they've paid that premium, and they're considered enrolled in the plan, they have coverage. That means they can go to the doctor and the plan will pay at least part of the cost of the doctor's visit or the procedure or whatever it is they went to the doctor for. Under most plans, the plan pays a portion and then the individual is responsible for a portion of that cost. The portion that the individual is paying is called cost sharing and the individual is sharing in the cost of the visit or the procedure. So we're talking about deductibles, coinsurance, copayments anything that could potentially be the individual's responsibility. So, for example, a, an individual goes into the doctor and has a $15 copay. That's something you're talking about. That's exactly right. So under this ACA CSR provision, the ACA basically says that for individuals who are poorer, we want to help lift the burden of that cost sharing. And to do that, the ACA requires the federal government to reimburse insurers for the individual's cost sharing amounts. So instead of the individual paying the insurer the copayment, that $15, the individual pays nothing, and instead the federal government pays that, that $15 to the insurer. So remember, these CSR payments are only available to those with incomes below 250% of FPL, and they actually become much greater for those below 200% of FPL. So it's a narrower slice of individuals that can qualify for the CSR payments then can qualify for the premium tax credit to get the coverage to begin with. But the idea behind the CSR is that the government is trying to help subsidize or lessen the cost to these lower income individuals. So effectively what happens are the plans become richer plans than what they buy. So they're, they're buying really a certain level plan, but by the federal government stepping in and providing some additional funding, it becomes a richer plan, and by that we mean there's less cost sharing involved for the individual. 
That's a great way to say it. So instead of perhaps buying a bronze level plan where the plan is paying 60% of the cost, you kind of bump up to maybe a gold or maybe even a platinum level plan where the cost sharing, it goes down to 10% or 20% for what the individual has to pay. Okay. So what are we talking about in, in terms of just overall cost to the government and, and why is this an issue? Yeah, that's really where we get to the root of the issue, as we do with a lot of these things. It's all about the dollar, right? So the reductions cost insurers around $7 billion a year currently. Um, that's also been forecasted by the Congressional Budget Office or the CBO to rise to $10 billion next year and up to $16 billion by 2027. So those are just estimates, of course, but it's still a lot of cash. And you can see what it might do to insurers if carriers know that they are not going to get cost-sharing reimbursed. They're missing out on that $7 billion this year. And they know that they're unlikely to get paid by a low-income individual. Uh, they must adjust their premium rates to account for the additional costs. So premiums will likely go up. And actually, because the Trump administration has been unwilling to commit to funding this permanently and has been posing threats about this announcement that they finally made, um, or at least a threat from the perspective of a carrier, carriers may have already accounted for that uncertainty in their 2018 rates. So um, that also creates a challenge here is that uh, most of those rates have been locked in. So there are about 10 states out there where um, they were, the ins insurers were instructed to assume that CSRs would be paid in setting their 2018 rates. So in those states, you could see an insurer with a shortfall. Um, they could decide to pull out of the market altogether, or maybe they would you know, prefer to do that rather than have this shortfall where they're going to lose money. So carriers are allowed to make that decision to pull out now that the announcement, that CSR payment has been cut off, uh, but they may have to give notice as required under state law, and some states require 180 days advance notice. So you can start to see some of the complications that are coming up here with what carriers can and can't do. Uh, but that's uh, something to keep an eye on for uh, potential fallout, whether insurers will exit the market, how will they react to this destabilization. Uh, but overall, you can see the money game really at play here. All right. So the Trump um, government wants to cut off these subsidies. Tell me about the legal uh, basis for cutting off the subsidies and, and uh, what, why he is doing this. This has come up before, the CSR issue. It's been a hot item of debate and of litigation previously, and specifically back in 2014, the House of Representatives, and at that time the House was controlled by Republicans, uh, sued the Obama administration claiming that the CSR payments to insurers had never been appropriated by Congress and were therefore illegal. So remember, this is kind of a, a lesson in our civics here. In addition to the law or statute, the, lang the language of the ACA, it's ACA itself, there also needs to be appropriation or funding of the bill. And uh, appropriation apparently happened with respect to the premium tax credit funds, but did not happen, or at least arguably did not happen, with respect to the CSRs. So it's likely a drafting error that Congress could quickly fix. But remember, with uh, Republican-controlled Congress, it's not likely to be addressed. That's why they haven't They addressed it. They have no interest really in fixing anything with the ACA, and particularly no interest in something that could potentially destroy the ACA. 
although this does potentially bring people back to the table to discuss issues outside of CSR in order to get that CSR payments going forward. Right. So, and in my view, was likely some of the impetus behind Trump's decision was to throw it back to Congress to fix. Yes, exactly. So we'll talk about that in just a second, talking about the Senate. But yeah, it could definitely be a, a statement here by Trump trying to get everybody back in the room. Let's talk. Well, let's talk about that case for a second. Uh, it's filed by the 2014 House of Representatives. It was called House v. Burwell originally. Now is called House v. Price. It will likely change now that Price is no longer the head of HHS. Uh, but in case you hear those case names thrown out there, that's the case we're talking about. But last year, a district court agreed with the House's argument. They, the court said that the CSR payments had never been properly appropriated by Congress, and the court therefore enjoined the, enjoined the payment of these uh, CSRs. So that means to, they stopped making these payments. Uh, but the court also stayed their decision or order pending an appeal. So that means the CSR payments would continue until the issue is resolved, but basically the court is saying they should be illegal once it's resolved. Uh, the Obama administration appealed, arguing that there was in fact an appropriation, and that appeal is still pending. So that's all still a bit up in the air on whether the Trump administration will continue the appeal. There have been 19 attorneys general from different states that have uh, joined in on this lawsuit. They want some type of closure. Um, so it's really to be determined on the resolution there, but that case definitely highlights the issues with CSR payments and gives a lot more background on where President Trump is coming from here. So let's, let's just talk, go back to his legal authority. Does he have legal authority to stop making the payments? Yeah, that's also unclear. He's essentially adopting that same argument made by the House Republicans in their lawsuits, and it's debatable whether that argument is correct. Um, and there's a couple of attorneys general that filed lawsuits against the president saying that he doesn't have the authority to stop payments through just an announcement like this. So we'll see even more litigation there. One thing that is not debatable, though, and where authority definitely resides is with Congress. They have the authority and potential to put this all to bed. And I think that's kind of where you were going. Maybe this is Trump's telling Congress, hey, get with it, come to some type of resolution and pass something that will provide stabilization and let insurers be able to know one way or the other. Um, the Senate Help Committee, had, we talked about them on pre prior podcasts, but they've held re hearings recently on these issues. And um, almost every individual called to testify in those hearings, at least that's been reported, have expressed support for removing the uncertainty around the payments and clarifying that those CSR payments would continue. So that includes governors, insurance commissioners, insurers themselves, consumers, and other stakeholders. So like you said, it's possible that Trump's announcement here will spur the Senate to come to some bipartisan conclusion and adopt an appropriations bill, at least for the short term, until maybe they decide what they want to do long term. But it remains to be seen what will happen in that regard. It's just lots of uncertainty. So what what is the effect of stopping uh, the payments? I mean, will this impact the individual market? Will it impact the employer market? What's the impact? Yeah, definitely a stronger impact on the individual market. Um, but as we've discussed in the past, they're connected, the individual market and the employer market. 
But as we've discussed before, it will drive up premium rates and prices as carriers try to cover the cost of those reductions. Interestingly, as the premiums go up, or at least as they're forecast to go up, so too will the premium tax credits. Remember that those tax credits are based on the cost of premiums themselves. So there's at least an argument that the government will pay just as much or more in increased premium tax credits than it saves in not paying the CSR payments. That's debatable, but it's definitely something to consider. In addition, we talked about carriers leaving the exchanges, exiting the individual market altogether, just because this gets too costly, there's too much risk. Um, so the, the exact fallout depends on whether carriers have built in the loss of CSR payments to their premium uh, costs. And we, as we've seen, some states instructed their carriers to go ahead and assume that they wouldn't be paid and others instructed carriers to go ahead and assume that they would be paid these CSRs. So perhaps state by state fallout in that regard. Um, but with enrollment in just a few weeks, it seems like a tough time. And maybe that's part of the timing here from President Trump, but it really puts the carriers in a tough spot. They could potentially go back and refile their rates, but with three weeks, it's unclear whether they would be able to do that. Um, so yeah, probably a bigger impact on the individual market. You could see individuals looking for other options if premiums are too high. Some of those options could be some of the other options outlined in Trump's executive order, like shorter term coverage, or perhaps going back to their employer if, if employers are indeed allowed to reimburse individual coverage on a tax advantage basis. We don't think that change would actually take effect until 2018, at least in, for larger employers. Uh, because the agencies need time to be able to develop rules around that. So probably not something that could happen next year, uh, but that could be uh, something down the road. But like we've talked about in, this, in the past, Suzanne, confusion and upheaval in the individual market could eventually have an impact in the employer market. Um, so a lot of what we've talked about on, regarding the individual market on this podcast and prior ones could potentially uh, impact employers down the road. Certainly. And, and it's something, the reason why we continue to watch what happens in that market is just because of the overall destabilization generally and what that means in terms of government intrusion in the future and what it means for carriers as well. So we, we will continue to report on that as well as dig into the executive order in future podcasts. So Chase, we appreciate all this background information on CSRs. It certainly gives um, are, are uh, those that are listening to this podcast some indication when they hear this in the news what's going on and it also puts Congress under pressure in this timing to come back to the table to potentially fix the CSR issue um, but that's it for today and again we appreciate you joining us and yeah. as we like to say in compliance world that's a wrap that's a wrap thank, thank you. you very much for joining you.